0: There is a, a uh, disinformation program, literally, for everyone, no matter who you are and what, what your interests are, uh, what your beliefs are, uh, which, which way you're focusing. There is a website set up just for you to take you in and to vector your thinking and your attention into the way that they want you to think.
1: You are listening to Radio Free Science of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of an occupied America.
0: pick up in this podcast where we left off in our last, discussing what's taken place on our planet in the last year. It's worse than you think. Well, the next two topics we wanted to look at were Iran and Venezuela in Latin America. In some ways, these are two topics that we will probably be discussing quite a bit next year when we look back on the coming year, because these are crises in the brewing We've certainly seen the rhetoric stepped up against Iran in the last year, and it is clear that the United States wants to move somehow against Iran. How quickly they'll be able to do it may depend a bit on how bogged down they continue to be in Iraq. So the timetable on that, I would think, is still up in the air, but it is quite clear that they want to do something. And the Chavez government in Venezuela is also a major irritant to Bush because Chavez is becoming a focal point for dissent against American domination of Latin America. And with the elections in the last year that have brought new governments to Bolivia, to Argentina, to Chile – and the with the Mexican election today, although at the last figures that I saw showed that the conservative leader was was yeah, still the, ahead. They
1: made made loud claims of uh, corruption and vote rigging. Mm,
2: of course, uh, we, we had had That's recently on the, on the page that uh, the, the, the conservative guy who seems to be winning the Mexican election just happens to be a good buddy of Mexico's Vincente Fox, and uh, they they both also happen to be. Uh, kind of buddies with the Bush administration and uh, Calderon, I think is his name the 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 conservative and uh, he also happens to be a Harvard trained uh, economist and lawyer mm-hmm. and uh, Washington was just
0: um, the kind of psychopath you want up at the top
2: yeah and it it's just the kind of psychopath that that Washington was really hoping would uh, would win the election and you know strangely enough there's this closely contested election just like in the US in 2000 2004 and and here's this guy, he looks like he's gonna win and Washington's well, perfectly happy.
1: It's not a matter of hoping. I think they were pretty sure that they that, that this guy would uh, swing it in some way. But I mean Mexico has been for for at least for the, the term of uh, Fox, um the outgoing president uh, has been essentially a client state, pretty much controlled or at least in the pocket of the American the Bush administration. Um and actually Greg Pallast has a, has a, written a few ar- articles recently. Um Greg Pallast is an interesting guy. I don't wanna say too much about him, but he does some good work on um on certain things and he has done a good uh, bit of research on the on, on the on the Mexico elections and he is suggesting with a lot of resor- uh, a lot of sources and a lot of uh, uh, evidence that that the Mexico election was essentially um Floridaized can I say Ohioized? <laughs> um, yeah by the uh, by the same people who stole uh, the American elections in 2000, 2004 by the same in the same kind of uh, scurrilous ways.
2: Um, just to, one last thing about uh, Venezuela and Chavez uh, we had uh, a couple weeks ago a video it was a link that uh, was uh, I believe it an editorial uh, and we'll put it again on on this week's uh, podcast science page. Uh, But it's a link to uh, a very interesting video that was made by an independent filmmaker who happened to be present uh, in Venezuela uh, during the Yeah, two Irish guys. Uh, Two Irish guys, in fact, Uh, not related to our our very own Joe Quinn. Mm. or to Ignatius O'Reilly, as I understand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this is uh, basically a must-watch video if you want to understand what's going on between uh, Chavez and and the Bush government because it, it very nicely illustrates that the coup that that tried to dethrone Chavez was uh, very probably a CIA sponsored coup attempt and I mean it's 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 a very very interesting video, and you will never look at the whole anti Venezuela anti chavez thing again after watching this this video so we'll we'll definitely repost the link
1: yeah, suffice to say that the when Chavez was was uh, taken away by, the, by a certain group of the, uh, certain members of the military to an island to be taken out of the country. A plane arrived to take him away. And guess what? It was an American plane. No. Yeah, so... International aid.
0: It's a wonderful thing.
1: <laughs> Chavez's <laughs> major crime, basically, is uh, using the Venezuela's oil wealth to uh, alleviate the suffering of 80% of the population who are living in poverty and have been living in poverty due to the, uh, the fact that uh, major uh, American and international oil companies have been essentially stealing all of the profits uh from Venezuela's oil uh due to uh, contracts signed with previous uh pro Bush regimes in uh, in Venezuela and he and he kind of nullified those or annulled those and um this is America's problem with Chavez. He wants to feed the poor people and that give them healthcare, we give them education. Well that and that as we know is is just it, it's not, anti, not it's, allowed. Well, it's anti-American. It's anti-American, that's right.
0: <laughs> now, speaking of anti-American, dear Auntie and Uncle American, Uncle Sam has had a rough year. Uncle Sam has had a number of rough years since 9-11, and the revelations that have come out in the last year include Bush's spying on American citizens. He tries to tell us that he's only doing it against suspected al-Qaeda operatives, but anyone with two firing neurons knows that that's not the case. When telephone records of ordinary Americans are collected by the National Security Agency, it's not al-Qaeda operatives that they're going after. The more plausible explanation for this is that The Bush Reich has been collecting information on potential opponents in order to blackmail them, to shut them up. And if you look at what's going on, or more particularly, what's not going on in terms of any organized political opposition to the Bush administration in Congress, you can see the direct results. You can very well think that politicians, journalists, media people, anyone who's not actively supporting Bush out of uh, a sharing of the psychopathic ideals, if we can call them that, is being blackmailed into silence, threatened into silence, and that the information to permit them to do this has been collected through these illegal wiretaps, illegal spying.
1: Yeah, we've had a lot of stuff uh, over the past year uh, come out about the the goings-on in the, in the nether regions of... of uh Sixteen hundred, Pennsylvania Avenue and its associated agencies. Uh, we've had a lot of stuff about them um, from the from intelligence agencies in in the US, uh, where they have uh, commented on uh, stuff in the past about the Iraq War, about Saddam, about Saddam, the, the, the claims about Saddam's uh, WMDs, his uh, claims about Saddam's connections with Al Qaeda. All of these in the past year have been. Uh, uh, outed as, as lies. We also had more stuff on the Niger Gate uh, scandal, where, um, which was the claim that, uh, that, that, um, Saddam was procuring, uh, enriched uranium from, uh, from Niger. Uh, all, all of these things were completely, uh, fabricated, all of them lies, and all of this stuff has come out, uh, uh kind of drip fed to the media over the past year uh, exposing the fact that uh, basically everything that bush has said uh, the bush government has said the neocons have said since 9/11 have been lies all of the stuff that they've said in terms of uh, pushing the cause for war and the war on terror all of it has been lies and the amazing thing again like uh, like we've said in the past and which we keep on repeating is that this stuff is in the media this stuff is being revealed to the population And there seems to be no reaction. And it seems to be because of the way that it's presented. I don't think the word lie has been used by any mainstream news source when talking about the fact that the Bush government lied. It's not polite to accuse the president of the United States of lying. I know. So they use all of these kind of terms, or like well you know, in, he, he misconstrued, uh, moralism, or, Yeah, he misconstrued, or he he, he 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 distorted, or he was just plain stupid about it, you know, because he's not that intelligent. And, and this seems to be the problem, in that in that people aren't getting the, sh- the the shock from these things. It's it's
2: being watered down by the mainstream press. And I, I think maybe you know I had mentioned earlier that that I thought maybe you know Bush was losing his grip uh, on America. And there's a, a video. It was uh, from the Lou Dobbs show, and it was about this um, this this new act that was passed, where basically the uh, U.S. government it was sort of like a, a trade pact, and With and the Canada G- and Mexico, right. And and the gist of it was that w- what Lou Dobbs got all fired up about uh, and what he was obviously trying to get the American people all fired up about was the fact that U.S. soldiers could be used to go and defend Mexico's southern southern border. Oh, my God. Now, I mean, all this stuff is happening and you have all these, these you know, semi-revelations because, of course, you've been reading sites like Signs of the Times. You've known about this stuff for years. But, you know, these revelations about, uh, you know, U.S. soldiers, you know, uh, raping and pillaging and murdering and and the the spying scandal and, you know, basically the police state that's that's been developing.
0: Torture, and- extraordinary rendition, mm-hmm. illegal detainment of people in secret prisons around the world.
2: Yeah, I mean, all this stuff is going on. And what Lou Dobbs gets fired up about is, oh, my God, U.S. troops could be sent into Mexico to defend their southern border. So you know, it, it almost seems like you know all these things. You know, if there is going to be some kind of change, and if Bush is in fact losing his grip, then he's not losing it in such a way that you know the the, the that you know that that the American people are are actually uh, sort of fighting the police state, or you know, it, it, it's almost like it's almost like America is being led possibly uh, down you know a slightly different path, which maybe doesn't include Bush. But, you know, all this stuff is is just going to keep happening. I mean, you have, you know, the Supreme Court comes out and says, uh, you know, know, ruled against uh, the Bush administration. And their response was, well, you know, we're going to kind of, you know, go over it and and see how we can comply with it. So basically they just came out and and point blank said, you know, we're going to find a way around it. And we don't care what the Supreme Court says. Yeah, I mean, it's like
1: the the report from a few days ago in the the LA Times was uh, headlined, uh, did Bush commit war crimes? Now, well, duh. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he <laughs> did. You know what I mean? This was this is is what Scotty's talking about, where the Supreme Court o- kind of overruled him about Guantanamo Bay, about his uh, right to kind of um, deny prisoners basically any rights whatsoever. And under Gene this is a, a, a clear kind of infringement of the Geneva Convention, so it 's essentially a war crime given that uh, many of the, the prisoners that the CIA have, have rendered or have, 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 have taken to Guantanamo Bay or to Abu Ghraib or to uh, Basram Air Force Base in uh, Afghanistan. All of these are war crimes, uh, according to the Geneva Convention, but the L.A. Times asks the question. You know, it's like you you, you witness someone shooting someone else in the head and then you say, did he commit murder? Uh, You know, so there's plausible. It's almost like there's, you know, that's an example of the watering down, you know. Um, Plausible deniability. Yeah, so it's... um, In the last
0: year, the only one who stood up to Bush and called him out to his face was Stephen Colbert at the White House press dinner when he was on the dais just a few feet away from Bush and rammed into him like nobody else in the United States has done. But did it all through humor. Did it all through humor. That's the only way he could get away with it. And the audience was so frightened of what he was doing that they kind of stood there in a st- with stunned expressions. Yeah, I think the quote was, uh, a little
1: too much speaking truth to power. I mean, Please.
0: And what's it going to take? We we saw in the last year, Bush's absolute contempt for ordinary Americans in the way the Katrina disaster was was handled. Yeah,
2: good job, Brownie. I mean, there are still areas of of uh, uh, New Orleans that are that are you know like a war zone, and we had another recent article on the page where a reporter went in and. Nothing has been done in, in vast parts of the, the areas that were hit.
1: Yeah, that says it all about uh, what he thinks about American people. But as long as, you know, there's, there's still a lot of people who have their SUVs and can still fill them up, albeit at a, a lot higher price, um, they're, they're not going to care until it really hits them where it hurts. So all it's been lies from the Bush administration in the past year and right up until recently when, in terms of the war on terror, the very clear fabrication of, of terrorism by the U.S. government and the FBI uh, with this case of the Miami 7, where they they they, they, it's quite comical actually Uh, the FBI identified a a group called the Sea of David, which was a a Christian, essentially a Christian type, Christian-Jewish with overtones of voodoo or something? Yeah, like? very little of anything Aisha, Islamic uh, about them, but they were obviously on an interview I watched with one of the guys who was apparently their spokesman, and he was the guy who could actually express himself the best. He came across as a duperating idiot, you know. Uh, he could hardly string a coherent sentence together, and this was their spokesman. This He was a member of this, this Miami 7 group that... Uh, that, that the FBI had identified had identified as a as a potential terrorist threat, but it seems that they weren't a terrorist threat until they were kind of made into a terrorist f- threat by the FBI, because the FBI agent uh, posing as an Al Qaeda operative said to them kind of basically sidled up to them. They were all living in a warehouse, uh, eating rats or something, and they uh, he sidled up to them and said, "Hey, I'm from Al Qaeda. Uh, do you want to do you want to join? Do you want you want to blow up some stuff? Don't you?" And these guys were so stupid that they were like, yeah, maybe. Whatever. What do you mean? And the guy's, hey, I'll give you fifty grand. I'll give you fifty grand if you, you know, and I'll give you some, you know, and, and some toys to play yeah, with. Toys to play with. And they're like, hey, cool. They are probably thinking, yeah, let's get the money and run, you know. So he, um, the FBI agent, kind of basically swore them into Al Qaeda, uh, gave them an oath, and they were like, cool, sure. And then he uh, he suggested to them that they wanted to blow up some government buildings, and and also that he that 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 they might consider blowing up the Sears Tower, perhaps. He was like, you know, would you, would you guys maybe want to do that? And they were like, mm, maybe. Do you know where the Sears Tower is? And one of them knew where it was. One of them had actually been to Chicago. So <laughs> this was for the FBI and the, the U.S. government. This was clear evidence of an Al Qaeda terror threat well, in it the U.S. Was that wonderful
0: clip of Alberto Gonzalez making the announcement, and the journalists were asking him, "And do you have any evidence?" And he kind of turns around and looks at the people behind him, and yeah, the military and guy, and the guy was like, "Evidence?" Uh, uh, the answers to that.
1: Uh, to that, is there no, no. Uh, so it, it is such a joke. Yeah, it is such a joke. And it's this is this is our, the one saving grace that it is so. I mean, if they're any more professional about it, we 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 would be concerned that you know we would we have no hope of ever doing anything about it. But the fact that they seem to care so little about making it even appear realistic uh, is, is one chance we have of, of, of exposing it uh, but it's still amazing that it's gone on so long and no one is calling it out for what it is
2: before we move on to our next topic to to basically wrap up our our discussion of america i'd just like to reiterate that while it is possible that bush might be losing his grip on america at the end of the day it ain't over until the fat lady sings And unfortunately, the fat lady has been renditioned to a prison in Morocco and is currently being interrogated and tortured as an al-Qaeda operative, uh, suspected al-Qaeda operative. So the bottom line is that, you know, any change, you know, now is not the time to become, you know, smug or complacent or uh, self-satisfied or, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, now is not the time to sit back and do nothing. Now is the time for those people Uh, I mean, not just in America, but everywhere, who are against, you know, Bush and his gang and everybody who's been working with him in various countries around the world to actually say something, you know, share what you know, talk to people. Bone up
0: on political pornology and understand about psychopathy in power.
2: Yeah, now, now now is the time for action, not, you know, saying, oh, okay, yeah, the Supreme Court ruled against him, so, you know, we'll just, you know, we can... You know, everything will be fine. You know, he, he won't be in power for, you know, he, this is a second term. It'll be over in a couple of years. Well, you know, I mean, if he can get away with spying and he can, you know, on the American people and, and get away with blackmail and get away with torture. And, I mean, even imprisoning U.S. citizens, you know, without a trial. I mean, you know, this is not a guy who will simply go away just because.
0: Just because he couldn't rig an election. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> he I can't mean, win the election. He'll just make it so there aren't any more elections, which is actually something we've reported on on the science page, where you know they they may be amending it to, uh, you know, amending the 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 constitution even so that you know he could you know stay in or I mean, run you know, for this, another term. Yeah, you know, they're, th- these are not the the types of people. You know, the, the the pathocrats, the the psychopathic types, are not the type who are just going to say, oh well, okay, you know, my time is up. Let's just you know let's retire and yeah. ride around in our yachts and.
1: No, it's going to get a lot, lot worse before it gets any better, if it ever gets better. So we discussed a little bit earlier on about uh, Iraq, and we mentioned that at the minute, basically, it's the Americans, overwhelmingly, that are in Iraq, and they would be on their own if it wasn't for the British. The British government, headed by Commander-in-Chief, or whatever his name is, Prime Minister Tony Blair seem to be following a very similar course to the U.S., uh, particularly in terms of um, the whole terrorism threat, the manufactured terrorism threat. Uh, In the past year, Blair has pushed through quite a lot of laws around terrorism and preventing terrorism, preventing phony terrorism. Obviously, a lot of it uh, came out of the London bombings, which, um, as we've noted, were very clearly an inside job. One of the laws that have been passed actually, is a law stating that you're not allowed to protest within one kilometre of government buildings of of the Parliament in in London. And a very small number of people have had a problem with this, a number of ordinary citizens have had a problem with this and tried to uh, circumvent it in some way or to bring attention to this ridiculous law where basically if you're not allowed to hold any kind of demonstration, two people are not allowed to walk along with a sign within a kilometre of Parliament in the UK a sign of any description. You're Not allowed to protest anything or anybody because it's potentially a terrorist threat, or you could be a terrorist sympathiser, or whatever. One guy actually tried to uh, try to do this on his own, um, and he—I think he had—he might have had a placard—and uh, he was arrested. And in his pocket was a printout of uh, an article from the UK Independent. By uh, one of their columnists who had been writing a, a series of, uh, of, of of articles on on Blair's anti-terror laws and how they were essentially um, bringing in a police state, and the police found this and identified this as politically motivated or politically related material, and that this they, 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 they told him quite clearly that this was an infringement to have this piece of paper to have this, uh, this article talking about politics in a negative light or talking negatively about uh, Tony Blair and he was arrested for that and he was, I think he, was, he was ultimately released but I think he spent a night or two in prison and was given a caution and I think his, maybe his, his, he hasn't actually come up before the court yet so this is the way the UK is going uh, or is already there Um, Another notable event in the past few months was what has become known as the Forest Gate Raid where at four o'clock in the morning on the 2nd of June, that's last month, 250 heavily armed police descended on a house where it was alleged that Muslim terrorists were manufacturing chemical weapons to unleash on innocent Londoners. In the course of the pre-dawn raid, 23-year-old Mohammed Abdul Kahar was shot. He and his brother, 20-year-old Abdul, were arrested and subjected to three days' intensive interrogation, after which both men were freed without charge. No evidence of chemical weapons or indeed illegal activity or suspicious activity of any kind was found. There was a press conference after the release where the two young guys appeared and they described their ordeal. And this is what happened. Cahar, this is uh, one of the two brothers, said that he heard the front door being smashed down. This is at 4am in the morning. And he assumed it was a burglary and left his room to come down the stairs, where at a distance of about two or three feet, he met a heavily armed policeman who, on seeing him, shot him without identifying himself or without giving him any warning from about two or three feet away. Cahar said he, we had eye contact and he shot me straight away. The bullet entered his chest and exited through his shoulder, sparing his life by just inches. Carr said, I was begging him, please, please, I can't breathe, and he just kicked me in my face and kept on saying, shut up. And then one of the officers slapped him in the face. And this guy was obviously quite afraid of of what was happening. He thought they were going to shoot him again, or that they were going to start shooting his brother and his sister, uh, who was in the house also and also their elderly mother. The elderly mother was dragged out uh, of the house in handcuffs. And her sister told the BBC that she heard doors being smashed, windows being broken. She woke up, opened her door, and saw a person dressed, dressed all in black with a gun pointing at, pointing at her. Uh, meanwhile, the police raided... This is 250 police. Meanwhile, the, the heavily armed policemen raided the house next door where residents rec- received similar rough treatment. The interesting thing about this is that It kind of mirrors what happened not long after the London bombings last year when um, Charles de was shot. This was a Brazilian guy uh, living in London working as an electrician. Uh, He was shot eight times in the head on the floor of a tube train in, in London by several armed policemen. They had chased him into the, into the train and uh, chased him, uh, pushed him down on the floor and just summarily executed him, shooting him eight, time, eight times in the head. You all probably remember this. After that event, the, the police lied about it and it came out that the police, the UK police, uh, and, uh, and it was a lie from the very top from... Uh, they said uh, he was wearing a heavy winter coat yeah. when he wasn't. He was. They made up all, all sorts of stuff of that, he, that he ran from them, that he was mm-hmm. wearing a heavy uh, a coat which could have been uh, covering up a bomb. All of this was... What was announced was claimed by the police in the immediate aftermath uh, when they knew that it was that it was what well, was wrong, and this guy was completely innocent, and there has been as yet no explanation as to why they did what they did now, The point I wanted to make here is that that th- these lies that come out afterwards because in the aftermath of of this uh, forest gate raid that I just described, where the guy was shot he didn 't actually die um, he, he he survived but after the, these 250 heavily armed policemen broke into their, their house and shot one of them and dragged their mother out uh, and, and, and beat them and interrogated them for three days, afterwards the police attempted to, to smear the victims in, in a similar way as they did to Charles de Menezes last year. First of all, they said that Kahar, the guy they shot, they said that he struggled with the officers rather than just being shot at point-blank range for no reason. And then they said that he'd actually been shot by his brother during the scuffle, they said it was his brother <laughs> shot him, it wasn't us. And then when that didn't fly, they said that the police officer had accidentally discharged his gun as, uh, because he was wearing thick gloves. Oh. <laughs> so they sent out, you know, these crack uh, UK policemen uh, who couldn't handle, gun- team that- couldn't handle their guns because mm-hmm. they were being th- wearing thick gloves. And then they also tried to obviously smear them as militant uh, Islamic you know, activists, whatever, and this was not the case at all. They had no relationship whatsoever with anything of that nature, and obviously the police knew that they were lying about this. And these these lies came from in the same in the same way as with Charles Manson. These lies came from the the chief of the London Police, uh, surnames Blair. Uh, this guy who is a barefaced liar and psychopath. It, it came out afterwards as well that this massive kind of police. Operation, 250 policemen at 4 a.m. in the morning bringing into someone's house and shooting them, uh, was based on an uncorroborated tip-off from a single informant who was a young man serving a prison sentence and who had a reported IQ of 69. So this guy was in prison, he had an IQ of 69, and they made him some kind of a deal or said, listen, if you can give us any information. So the guy just made something up, just fingered someone, and, and they surely must have known
0: sounds like the kind this, of
1: intelligence they were getting about iraq yeah they, they surely must have known that this guy was you know feeding them a line. basically and would say anything to, to, to get some to get off or to get out early but they went ahead with it anyway and this, you know, this kind of these kind of operations 250 policemen uh, and a dawn raid it, it doesn't just happen without planning and thought and, and deliberate, uh, you know, a conscious uh, decision to do it based on all the intelligence. And in that situation, they surely knew that this was probably not this. In, this information they were getting was probably not uh, worth the paper it was written on. But they went ahead anyway. And the point here is that they went ahead anyway because the real reason for this had nothing to do with with any real, obviously, with any real attempt to find terrorists or to protect the British public from Islamic terrorism. It was to scare the British public, to create the appearance and the reality, again, creating reality, a fake reality of Islamic terrorism. Because if 250 officers go uh, and raid a house because they think there's a chemical bomb, or they've been told there's a chemical bomb, and it's spread all over the papers, that's very effective and creating the appearance and perpetuating this idea that Islamic terrorism actually exists when it doesn't. That was the point of this operation. Fear. And what
0: is fear useful for? For controlling populations. We see it happening around the world. Since 9-11, the fear factor has been ratcheted up in the United States, in Europe, all over the world. You are being controlled through this Fear. And if you don't understand that, you'll never be able to overcome that fear and you'll never be able to fight back and say, no, we don't want the lies anymore. We don't accept the lies anymore. We want
1: truth. So all of that brings us quite appropriately or quite uh, topically to uh, a movie we watched what, six weeks ago, a couple of months ago, V for Vendetta. If anybody hasn't seen it, you should watch it. We heard
0: from one of our readers recently that it disappeared very very quickly from the screens in the
1: UK uh, yeah, <laughs> we're had, not surprised they ran it for one night or something you know? yeah. but it's uh, it's a really good movie and it, it touches on all of the things that we've just been describing the guys who made it obviously were clued in in some way as to what was actually happening and they were trying to portray this and, and to get this message across to the people um, through film uh, and through this you know you know, fantasy or uh, fiction uh, story, but the fact is that a lot of it is very, very true about the UK and the US at the minute. On the UK, Jack Straw. You know who Jack Straw is? Jack Straw is the foreign minister. Was former, the foreign
0: minister? Former foreign minister
1: under Tony Blair, and he was Tony Blair's right-hand man. He was there on a, on, on Iraq and on Iran, and he seemed to be, uh, he seemed to know the know the drill. He, he was uh, playing the game.
0: He was the last straw.
1: Yeah, he was... <laughs> very good, Henry. He, and the thing is that Jack the Straw, straw that broke the is no back. longer there. Jack Straw is no longer there. Jack Straw, about a month ago, was removed from his post as foreign minister. And I think the environment minister was very shocked to realize that she was going to take his place. The reason... no one one said the reason No no one told us or there was no reason given as to why it was just a reshuffle no one told us why really why Jack Straw was booted out from the foreign ministry but I looked and over the past few months before his ousting Jack Straw said two things at two separate occasions
0: what were they Joe?
1: one thing he said was that he does not see when asked about Iran, he said he does not see there ever being a situation where a military, ev- military intervention or a, an armed conflict could ever occur between Western countries, America, Britain, In the and sense that it wouldn't be justifiable. That it, would, it simply was not something that he saw as possible that was reasonable or that was, was a thing to consider. That was one thing he said. The other thing he said, again talking about Iran... He said, we need to deal with Iran's nuclear ambitions in some way. And he said, and that can be achieved through diplomacy. And he said, once we do that, then we will move on to dealing with Israel's nuclear capabilities.
0: Oh, bad move, Jack. This is what he said. Bad move. Bad career
1: move. Within a month, he was gone. Now, this isn't the Israeli government. This is the British government, the foreign minister, who said that something needed to be done about Israel's 200 nuclear weapons. And he said that they were going to move, that he was planning, that his policy was to move on dealing with that and removing that threat. Within a month he was gone. Now you explain to me. Talk about Israeli lobby, whatever. But someone explain
2: to me how that happens. So the interesting thing about this this movie, V for Vendetta, is that, well, I kind of don't want to ruin it if you haven't seen it, but it's going to be kind of hard not to, to give a few things away. So there's a scene in the movie where uh, a police inspector, uh, who begins his investigation of a, a biological attack that occurred that was the beginning of the, the police state, that is uh, sort of the centerpiece of the movie, and... He begins uh, in in this one scene he 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 asks his uh, partner the question, you know you know what basically what would you do if you discovered that what we've been told about this biological attack was in fact false, and you know what would you do if you discovered that it was in reality the government who did it and, and then who provided the the vaccine?" Uh, as a solution and as a way to to get themselves into power and to seize control. This obviously, quite clearly, uh, is a a very interesting parallel to 9-11, where there is uh, some rather dramatic evidence that indicates that it was an inside job. It was conducted by uh, members of uh, the Bush administration as well as Mossad, um, most likely other parts of the military uh, intelligence agencies like the CIA et cetera. Et cetera. so that's why the, the the movie I think is is so interesting and it also sort of highlights uh, the, there's one character who is particularly psychopathic uh, one of the the bigwigs in the in the the fascist government
0: it's not at all a film about the future it's a film about what is happening here and now in a veiled way although in the film the outright, fascist character of the government is not screened at all we are actually living that today in the UK
2: in the United States that was one of the the interesting parts about it was that they actually had a little uh, scene it was sort of like a series of flashbacks where they were um, they were talking about how you know, we, we had these words that uh, that were sort of brought to our attention, like, you know, rendition and, you know, all these, it was basically they were sort of highlighting how it was all these little steps that were taken, you know, just little by little. And, you know, the, the, the frog in water, the water becomes hotter and hotter just a degree at a time. And then before you know it, the water's boiling. And, you know, that sort of sort of parallels, you know, all the things that we've been talking about tonight and in, you uh, before we recorded the podcast, I looked at the July 6th science page from exactly one year ago. And on that page, we had a, a lovely little introduction. And we wrote that, We've asked readers several times to try and remember what life was like prior to 9-11, when the Great War on Terror was unleashed through a vicious attack on the United States by members of its own government. While many people are still unable to wrap their heads around that one, and we admit that it's a leap for some people to go from unquestioning faith in one's elected leaders to realizing what a gang of murderers and psychopaths they really are, it is a bit easier to look objectively at how we lived our lives, at our preoccupations, at how easy it was to travel, and compare our recollections with the state of things today. It is often said that the public has no memory and can't remember what Bush may have said a year or two ago, or even a week ago, Remember his flip-flops on how important it was or wasn't to bring in Osama, dead or alive? And, of course, we see that, you know, that basically is continuing to this day. That is why our archives and the archives of other sites are so important. One can then return and follow stories over time. And then later on that, uh, that day's page, July 6, 2005, we also wrote, Yet while a cursory glance at the headlines may lead us to think we are in a time warp, it is changing. It's getting worse. The incremental descent is effective because each step is so small that one loses the sense of the cumulative change. Rights and liberties are given up one at a time. The deaths in Iraq are regular but manageable, quote-unquote, in bureaucrat speak. In Palestine, a few Palestinians die each day, a few houses are destroyed, a few olive groves destroyed. Nothing so outrageous that it'll make the headlines in the U.S., and yet an entire people are being slaughtered. And, of course, today we see that, in fact, this... You know, this, this small series of steps, in, in the case of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, this, this this small series of steps that's been happening for years and, and decades even, has now culminated in Israel, you know, what amounts to a full-scale invasion, and it's beginning to play out. And that appears to be where all the other things we discussed tonight are heading.
0: And even though it's much more drastic than it was... There's still no discussion of what is really going on in the American media.
2: And so that's why we think it's unbelievably important for everyone to discuss these topics, to, you know, do your own research. I mean, don't believe us because we said it, you know, dig on your own, you know, dig up all the facts you can and to really inform yourself and inform those you love and and. Really try and spread the word and spread the truth and, and find out what's going on because, you know, there, there in V for Vendetta, there was this guy, V, and he was sort of like this, you know, kind of genetically mutated Superman, you know, who came along and, and he was the one who saved the people. Well, you know, that's a movie, but in real life, there's not going to be any genetically mutated Superman who comes along and saves us all from, you know, from Bush or Blair or it's not going to happen. You know, if if anyone is to save any of us, it's going to be us. Basically, we are all we have.
0: That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to discuss what we've talked about this week, you're welcome to come to the Signs of the Times forum. You can find a link to it on the Signs page. That's at www.signs-of-the-times.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.